Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, daily disciplines. Broadly, the regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. When I Googled, 107 million hits came up right away. And right there on page one, success.com says, being a high performer is the result of your daily disciplines. Here to discuss is my friend J.D. Durkin, and I'm so excited to get into this with you, J.D. J.D. is a host and reporter at the New York Stock Exchange for the financial news site, The Street, the investment app, Public, and a regular guest on CBS News. He previously served as the White House and Capitol Hill correspondent for Cheddar and anchored a nightly national news show and co-created the documentary series, The Pivot Counties. J.D. is also a popular moderator and host at various fintech and business conferences, including Collision, Politicon, and Web Summit in both Brazil and Portugal. And before all of this, JD was senior editor for Mediate. Welcome to the podcast, JD. Thank you for having me, my friend. Very grateful that you would think of me to have this conversation. I actually have conversations with you in my head all the time. So <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. I hope it's a JD voice that does you well, I hope. Oh my gosh, because there's you and I love to deep dive into this. So why did you choose Daily Disciplines for the podcast? I came into this year, Barbara, and my therapist had me pick <laughs> out sort of a phrase or not dissimilar to preparation for the podcast with you. And my the word I had wanted for 2023 was the word bold. Just in terms of things I'd gone through the last few, bigger societal changes we all had, I said, you know what? I've I've gathered up. Now it's time to harvest and plan. I want to be bold this year. But the year kind of took me on some twists and turns, as the universe does, as life does when you're not expecting. And I soon found that the solutions to a lot of the challenges I had laid in the work that I was willing to do every day, the really tough stuff. And oftentimes that stuff you ignore, maybe you have avoidant tendencies towards, and I'm discovering actively that the best, some of the best stuff in life can be on the other side of the toughest work. And that for me is the little disciplines that you got to make time for every day. It's not always about having time. It's about making time. And that's been really an, an important lesson to me in 2023 and something I thought that you would appreciate. Oh, I appreciate. And I I'm, want you to go deeper, you know, just to jump on that. So success.com, which I referenced earlier and I never visited before, you know, they said that their three tips were clarify your values, block the time, as you just said, and form the habits. So let's talk about like, what, what's the hard part of this? The hard part is that oftentimes I think the daily disciplines are intentionally the things that are most difficult to do. And that's the hard part about doing that, right? It's the easy path is the one that says, ah, all right, I don't really have to do it today. I can do it tomorrow or I'll be better next week or like when I get to it. And I think that's such an, an easy voice and it, it could be from seeking comfort or seeking just the road that seems a bit more trodden. Uh, that's what I think that the biggest challenge is. It's just, it's how easy it is to do the opposite. And so it is really tough to do those little things every day, I think. Well, so what are your daily disciplines? Well, uh, I think there's there's always personal and there's professional, right? Uh, in terms of personal, I went through you know some health changes and some things that I really wanted to focus on and prioritize in the way that I 
took care of myself. That could be the food I eat. That could be how and when I eat. Uh, that could be my skincare routine, which I do not try and skip. Has it happened? Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we learn to like the little things of like flossing and brushing our teeth every day, but there's a reason that the dentists tell us we have to do it every day. And so I just try to apply that mentality to all those little things for health. And then in terms of the career stuff, you know, I'm very lucky to be back in the lane covering markets and equities and the overall economy during a time as we're seeing the central bank aggressively raise interest rates. And I think every American household having a renewed conversation of what raising rates means for them as they recognize goods and services around them much more expensive. So to me, daily discipline there is making sure I'm spending the right amount of time day to day on the phone with analysts, constantly getting smarter about the issues that I cover so that I'm in a better position to help maybe create a more informed viewer or more informed listener. And that comes down to the work I try and carve out every day. Okay, one thing I do want to acknowledge, your skin looks fantastic. So much. It's just, I am actually pretty moisturized. So if I'm glistening on camera, that's why. But that's how you got to be, right? You always got to be applying, so. So many questions going through my head, but one thing I'm just hearing actually is part of the daily disciplines and, and why it gets into being the hard part is it's somehow finding the balance between like being efficient and I hate the word hacks, but you know what I mean? It's like doing things efficiently and smartly, but you can't cut corners. And so that's what you're, you know, so on the professional side, that's where you're talking about the daily discipline of like checking sources, double check. I mean, now in a digital world, I mean, how much, how often do we see, you know, misspellings and all sorts of, and thing and the need for retractions because nobody has time even to, you know, to proofread, but that proofreading would be a daily discipline. The idea of like, don't, you know, hit publish or send until you've reread it, got it. Or until you've reread what the AI machine has written for you at this point. <laughs> also becoming a part of our day-to-day, -day, but yes. So now I want to get into how do you view the difference between daily rituals and your daily disciplines? Daily rituals and the daily disciplines. That's a great question. I don't know that I've, that I honestly, that I've been able to reflect on the difference too much. I will, if you if you don't mind, I, I could talk about the difference between urgency and importance, which maybe kind of get gets to, I think what what you're talking about, rituals versus disciplines. We all have things that pop up, especially in today, especially if you're a journalist, you're in media, you're a podcaster, whatever it is. Things pop up that are urgent, and there is an immediate time frame, and this feeling of oh my goodness, this popped up, I have to get this done immediately. This could spiral out of control. And when those things invariably happen our day to day, that's when it becomes really easy to skip the stuff that is important, those daily disciplines or those things that you committed at the start of the week that you were going to do on Tuesday afternoon, but now something's come up. And so now you got to push the thing you had planned for yourself, the important stuff. I try and remind myself that you, yes, the urgent fires will have to be dealt with, but you can't sacrifice the things that are important. And maybe that kind of gets to your, the heart of your question about rituals versus disciplines. I don't know if I quite stuck the landing on that one. But, no, but it, it leads to further discussion, but it's also a reminder, again, for anyone listening who may be from outside of this, that one, if you can't handle the fires, this is definitely not the industry for you. I always make the joke that you maybe just want to go to Dunder Mifflin, where you can just really count on, you know, kind of every day being the same. On the other hand, it's really challenging and that gets into leadership and management to understand about you can't run a business if you're constantly putting out fires. 
so, you know, so how do we do this? But now you also just gave me a light bulb went on because, you know, let's say exercising daily is a ritual. And I really believe in that, right? But the daily discipline is the exercise that you do because I could, uh, uh, do, you know, in, in theory, do my ritual and take the easy way out. Like, well, I exercised, but I did, you know, it was shorter or I did the fun ones that I liked and I skipped the hard ones. And, and then now we're getting to the, the meat of this and why I wanted to have this conversation with you is, is how this links to success and how you have found in this last year or since you really leaned into it, the difference that it's made. Like, how do you keep going? You realize, you know, I, I really don't feel like doing a plank right now. I'm just using that as a metaphor, but um, right. Or it's just like, you know, oh my God, I can't do a two minute plank. And then I have to do four of them to, you know what I mean? But if you want to get a result, you've got to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, you'll love this. I, I have such a long running quotes doc. That sounds so corny, but it's, Ooh. That it's not right. You're in a safe space, Jake. Whether it's a whether it's a vision board type of thing, it's really nice to have something to go back to because you will be inspired at those moments. To say, okay, I'm going to throw this in because at some point I'll need to go back and reread it. And sometimes it's those moments you're talking about. And you're like, I don't want to sit and do another plank. I don't want to do another ten kettlebell swings. I already did ten or whatever it is. Right. In terms of just the workout space, or it's like, oh God, do I have to call another? I already spoke to two analysts about this story. Do I need two more sources or whatever it is? Uh, so it's kind of nice to have that little default go-to that you've built up for yourself and you remember why you put that quote there or why that thing on your vision board went where it went. Those are That's a little tool that I kind of use. And I've been building this up for many, many years. It's one massively long scroll document that's wildly long. And I just add all my new favorites right to the top and I have total recall over it, which is good. Or ease, ease of accessibility. Great. Okay, Detour, what are some of your favorites? Oh, for quotes? Yeah. Do you want to get into this? Yeah. Okay. All right. Can I have one second? Here we go. Here we go. Pull it up. Uh, da, 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 da. The, the document's literally called Affirmations. Barbara, I could not be more corny. Um, here's, oh my God. When I say I have thousands, I have thousands. I'm going to pick out random ones here. Every battle's won before it's even begun. Explain. Every battle's won before it's even begun. I mean, the men, um, for me, if you're talking with the workout space, pack the gym bag the night before, have the suit picked out that I'm wearing at work the night before so I don't have to wake up and spend mental capital trying to make those decisions. Making sure I'm in bed, that's a big daily discipline is my commitment to sleep. My goodness. I'm sitting there at seven o'clock knowing I want to work for another four or five hours and just saying, no, man, this laptop's got to be shut eight, nine thirty. Um if I'm going to be up and do what I got to do. So even the battle of the workout, right? Whether it's the ritual, the discipline, it's, it starts way before you leave the house. And the same, same applies for when I do television hits at CBS, CBS news, something that's more camera facing or audience facing. That work is baked in so long before the camera light goes on and you're live on air. Okay, JD, I, you, oh, no. Okay. But we're going to celebrate this for just a second because you're so singing my song and Everything you just said applies to an audition. Oh, yeah. Job interview. Your presentation. It is you. That was a beautiful, succinct description of, you know, the camera ready ethos. 
I love it. I knew you would like that one. That was appropriately so. That's at the very top of my page right now. It was meant to be so I could open this when we had this conversation. I think that's really important that uh, that will to prepare to win. I've heard it described as right. It's a, everyone wants to be a winner. Everyone wants to be successful. But the, the that little bit of extra will and determination it takes to prepare for that is oftentimes something I've noticed is uh, can be a separator in the game, so to speak. There's no motivation without motive. You have to understand, which gets deep into your why. Why do I want this? And right. one of the things that sinks us when we get stuck in the shoulds is we discover we don't actually want that thing badly enough. You got to figure out why it matters, but you have to find some emotional connection. And so that leads me to, it's like, what are some of the emotional connectors you use to get into the work that you do? Because I think you really care about these stories and you really care about the audience. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, for me, I think I, you and I've had a lot of conversations mm -hmm. about my family structure kind of growing up, not having my dad. Um, he, he, my biological father died and my stepfather died just a, a year later. And unfortunately my, my stepfather was a very, uh, at times, especially at the end of his life, a very unhealthy man. And so when my mom became a bit more of a caregiver for him and I watched that process unfold before he died last year, Barbara, that was a major aha moment in terms of taking care of myself and those little, those little things to do to prevent uh, at least purely in the in the world of uh, of health and wellness to to prevent a future that you don't want for yourself or for your family. Mm -hmm. I think similarly that applies to things I do in my career. I don't want years to go by. I don't want to I'm about to be 36 years old. Uh, I don't want to be 46 a decade from now and look back and say, okay, I had a good last 10 years, but it could have been bad. I, I you know, I I was too sloppy with this and that. I didn't take this seriously enough. You know, I feel like now is the time. Now is now is the shot for me in between what starts right now as we're having this conversation and everything that's to come. And I want to I want to be able to walk away from the game at some point. I view everything like an athlete. I always do. I'm obsessed with like pre and post game interviews with GMs and star players like that mentality. You know, what are you thinking? What's your what's your discipline? What's your preparation like you practice? What do you bring to the field? What does game day look like for you? Every day is game day for me, Barbara. When I walk on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange or into an interview at CBS, you might think, okay, what do you, what do you pretend you're a basketball player or something? Well, no, I'm not a basketball player, but you better believe I'm showing up to perform on the back of all the work that I've done to get in here, much like any star basketball player would when the lights are on and the audience is there. So that's a long-winded way of answering your question. There is a very deep personal emotional component to doing those daily disciplines, uh, whether it's for your family and the people around you or for an audience who's watching at home. And I think especially if you don't mind me adding, when you're covering politics as, or business and especially politics, creating a more informed citizenry on these issues that matter to our national electorate, people's place in their community, the role of government in their lives day to day, I don't see really any room for error in terms of the personal preparation a journalist needs to be in if the, that is the weight of the stories that you're covering for someone who may see you. So I have known you for a while. So I want to draw back on the archives because when you talk about disciplines and and the the things you have done to become game ready, especially when you were newer, when you were younger at this, right? And you, when you transitioned, you know, from print and digital and writing, 
So can you talk a, a little bit about the discipline of how you studied others before you? Yeah, I love that. You and I have talked a lot about that. When I started at the White House, I felt like I was thrown into this world of Washington, D.C. as someone who, I guess, demonstrated he could kind of do it, do it well enough uh, for where I was at the time when they said, basically, just go figure it out. And you learn, number one, by talking with people around you who are willing to talk with you. Uh, and number two, one of the best practices that I ever got into as a correspondent was to quite literally watch and transcribe word for word a standard 90 second or two minute live shot. So one of my favorite live shot performers, if you will, from the North Lawn of the White House was Kristen Welker from NBC News. I would see Kristen in person. I would see how she would navigate conversations and things in the press corps. And then I'd go home. I, I would watch her hit on MSNBC or the Today Show. And I would sit and write down word for word exactly what she says. And then I read it out as if I'm looking at the script and I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, this demystifies it. This is These are the coverage points. It's easy to miss it, right? If you're very anxious, right? And you want like, oh, I want to be great. I want to learn whatever. Just simplify it for yourself. Just take a look at what Kristen's actually doing. That was That's one of many examples like that because there are people who've been doing this longer. There are people who are really good, really good at what they do. And if you're lucky, those same people will also be willing to kind of take you aside and show you the rules of the road, so to speak, which many very generous correspondents did on Capitol Hill and DC over years. And I'm very grateful to them to all helping me get a little bit better each time. What was something that like surprised you that you didn't expect was part of the process? One of the reasons I want to ask this is I love to say to people, TV is nothing like it looks like on TV. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I guess it came as a surprise, but when I figured out the game, I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. The, the doors you'll be able to open for yourself. If you just wait outside that room for 10 minutes longer, waiting to talk with that one person, you shake that person's hand, you look that person in the eyes, you introduce yourself in a humble way, you explain what you're there to do. That's like you're trying to meet this one press secretary, this one cabinet official, this one chief of staff to Senator so-and-so. That little interaction will be able to be like, cool, now I know who you are. Now I'll make, you know, we'll call on you at the press conference or we'll take your question ahead of time. Or, hey, you want an off the record with the congressman? All right, yeah, we know JD. JD's in good company. It's those little social interactions and that social equity is really what ends up driving, I think, some of the most impressive things you see journalists do. How do investigative journalists get their information? They have trusted sources at those places that leak them that information. That's a personal relationship we don't see. That is actually how the sausage gets made. Really good TV correspondents are building off of a base of knowledge that comes from things people are telling them behind closed doors. And if you have a member of the White House press staff be willing to let you into the office, close the door behind them and say, hey, we're off the record or we're on background X, Y, Z, well, then you could go out and, and really talk from a place of confidence because you got it literally from the source. And so it's all that that little social game is uh, a big, big part of how work gets done down there. And I'm thankful. I don't think it took me that long in the scheme of things to kind of figure it out, but it's something I'm still getting better at every day. You know, one of the things that impressed me and I learned from you was you were, I guess, willing, but it was smart and strategic to go and ask for interviews with the, the younger Congress people and junior senators who weren't getting at the people who were available and so excited to talk. They're on committees. 
Congressman Ro Khanna comes to mind, who now is on every imaginable network, does Fox, does MSNBC, does Bill Maher's show constantly. And Congressman Khanna and I started on Capitol Hill right around the same time. He had the unenviable office draw of the fifth floor, very rare fifth floor in Rayburn, which like the, the babiest of the freshman members of the House class get. And that's where he and I met. That's where he and I hit it off. That's where his staff and I used to kind of meet and that was a great relationship. And years later, he would still give us credit. He would say, you know, J.D. Cheddar, that was like the one dude who was just showing up all the time. And he's become a much bigger voice. And so I think that's a good example. Absolutely. Because everyone wants to be on TV, especially if you're in Congress. They all want that camera time. So being able to invest, and it's, it, you know, you don't do it through a lens of utility. I want to be careful because it's not like, oh, let me get to know this person in case they blow up and then I can like take advantage of it. But even a, a member of Congress who's there for the first time, who isn't, who is not nationally known, that person still represents 700,000 voters. That senator still represents 50% of the vote of the population, the citizenry of any one state. Every person in, in Washington at that level is incredibly important to get to know, even the ones that may not be household names. How does the daily disciplines that you've developed help you when you're working in these chaotic settings? Because that's another thing. The stock exchange is, um, it's exciting, but I mean, it's still highly visually stimulating and there's a lot of sound and there are people walking around and there are distractions and certainly the White House. And now we've gotten used to because of movies of seeing the pan of like, it's because it's not, you know, one correspondent that, you know, it's, you know, a, like there are 30 people on a line and half of them are standing on milk crates and all those different things. So how do you develop that discipline or use these things that you you have developed to, to have that kind of focus or that's one. And also, to get, did you have to get over a self-consciousness? I'll take the second part first. Uh, <laughs> self-consciousness. Look, anyone goes through an imposter syndrome swing. Mm -hmm. When I started at the white house, Barbara, I was a comedy writer. I'm a basement improv kid. Like I'm not that far. Like I can remember I, I sell this joke to my mom all the time. I was a bartender for years in the comedy world. That's how I paid my bills. I was sweeping the dirty green room basement floor for years. That's how I made every dollar in New York because I was trying to make it as a writer. And I used to have this email address I used to apply to bartending jobs. <laughs> I still have that email address and I still know the password. I haven't gotten to use it in about a decade, you know, knock on wood. But I do stay connected to that era of, of, of uh of kind of where the day to, the day to day for me was much more uh humble uh than maybe it is now so i remember that uh still in continuation for that second part of your question you know the imposter syndrome hits but i think i was very good early on at recognizing oh well i'm here for a reason and also when i look around other people don't necessarily know what they're doing as much as you would think they do and that i've really learned and taken to heart like oh you actually don't really know what you're doing. Everyone just kind of thinks that you do. And that's true of like members of Congress. That's true of their staff. That's true of really good people on TV who are, just, I don't want to say everyone's faking it, but you kind of, you start to see that around you and you're like, oh yeah, why not me? There is a why not me type of mentality. Can I also address the obvious? I would be, this would be foolish of me not to. Barbara, I'm a straight white man who was navigating the world of Washington, D.C., there are inherent privileges by which that in and of itself made it much easier than someone that may not have those particular identities. I would be, it would be insincere and it would be foolish of me to skip that over. It doesn't mean I still didn't have those imposter syndromes, 
and all those things through discipline and hard work to come over. But I'm also cognizant of that reality. And that's something I feel like I should mention. And after all that, I do forget what the first part of your question was, because I that was a big answer. Was how do you learn to, to keep focus in a world where there's it's just a zillion literally audio, visual, tactile distractions in front of you? Because I meant like you're rarely in the, a controlled studio setting. And even right. though the stock exchange in theory is a controlled studio setting, there's a lot going on because there are, again, multiple people shooting things and they're actually, there are, you know, still some people, you know, trading. I feel as if I could be better at that. If you would ask me the truth, I'd say, I don't always terribly feel like I am really focused. I've got notes in one document, notes on another. I do notes by hand. And then I add notes to this legal pad. And I, and I get any given time as a reporter, this is literally a reporter's notebook. I'm scribbling something in the in the margins like a madman. And then I have to remember later to transfer it over to my phone doc. And I think that, but that's a lot of people I know are sort of like that. You're kind of juggle where the information comes from or how you have to get it out. And so I don't always feel as if I can have that focus in a chaotic environment. Uh, you just hope nothing important falls through the cracks amid the hecticness. And I think that's true on Capitol Hill. And that's even true for traders who remember the days when you, you were doing the old school uh, paper orders on the floor of the stock exchange. And I think that's something that can apply to any of us who work in a chaotic field. Mm -hmm. So circling back to the daily and daily disciplines. So what is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning and actually backing up? It's like, because we've already established, you've chosen the suit, you've gotten sleep. Uh, so that, you know, today started last night. But so what do you do? What's the first thing in the morning? Um, well, after I get the dog out nice and early, um, I'm a big water drinker. First thing in the morning, try and do 30 ounces minimum before I've left the house. That's a really strong start to the day. That also delays this feeling I need of like, oh, I need coffee. It's like, ah, maybe I actually didn't need the coffee. I thought I did. Maybe I just kind of need to be hydrated. I've been, I've been laying down for a long time. Um, I try and give myself a bit of time really before I dig into the news and start digging into Slack a little bit. It's nice to sort of putter with comfort around your own space and make sure that you're good before you need to make yourself available to the world, if you can. Wait, wait, that was really important. Can you say that again? Make yourself good before? Yeah, you got to make sure you're, you're staying, you're, your two feet got to be on steady ground. And you've done a body scan or whatever that looks like for you. What need, What part of me needs love? Because I'm going to spend the next 14 hours at least pouring into other people's cups. Even if that's just answering this, respond to this, do this interview, read this analyst note. It's all, there's always kind of something in it for other people to some degree. Um, even if a lot of it is for myself, of course. But yeah, I mean, the importance of, I think, especially starting, if I can do the first hour of the day, that's like just for JD. That's a beautiful thing. And then I feel so much happier by the time I start getting to my many slacks, many messages, many emails, this and that to do. I don't um, I don't greet them with like resentment first thing in the morning. It's like, no, I took care of the important stuff, which was me. So how has this made a difference in this year, as you had said to me, in sort of navigating choppy seas? Oh yeah. Navigating choppy seas. Uh, I mean, the media business is inherently a choppy sea. It's a choppy sea. And my who I was off camera 
the last few years was a series of tests. I was I was tested and and there's a lot I, I just I can't get into or I'm not comfortable getting into and I'm sure you'd understand. Um, it, you know, life life will life will bring you things yourself, your family, your loved ones, the people around you. Uh, things that you think uh, you know you hear about maybe happening to other people and you're like, ah, that would never happen to me. Or, you know, or that sort of situation would never find itself to me. And I really struggled, Barbara, for a while. And this is all in the era that I've known you. This is not like JD like 10, 15 years ago. This is like JD in the last few years. Barbara, the number of days I'd wake up in the morning and think, I can't go be on air. What are you kidding me? I can't go do television. I can't perform for someone else. I don't want to leave this bed right now. I have no, I have done none of the work. To now to be in a, and but that's just the nature of the job. It's like you get out there and you do it. Mm-hmm. And so I look back at who I was in that era over those last, and this is, you know, really, you know, maybe a year. The last year has really started to open up. But before that, like the couple of years before that period, like the pandemic era, I think back and I do not even recognize who that person was. It just really took such a retreat. Mm-hmm to let the pieces fall and to just say, all right, who do I need to be? Who am, who am I? What are those things I need to start doing for myself? And once I really got my house in order in that way, Barbara, there's very rarely a day these days where I don't like jump out of bed thinking, oh, I can't wait to go get on air. Mm. I know I'm good. I know I'm good. Cause I know what it's like to not be good. And it's like, Oh, I've taken, I've handled that. I've done the tough stuff. And that could be the big picture stuff with a, with a therapist or a personal journey with someone like that. Um, or that could be ready to know like, Oh, I can get out of bed at 5am on Monday and I'm ready to go for work because I spent all that time yesterday making sure I was prepared. And that's really what Sunday is. It's like a, a pre- preparation day for the week. But I think that importance. And I, I, I'm astounded with Broadway actors who go out and do this eight times a week. And you just have, as you sit there in the audience, you look up and you have no idea the personal storms that could be raging inside the head or the heart of any given performer that you're watching on stage. That person could have woken up today and say, the last thing I want to do is take to the Richard Rogers theater stage tonight and do this performance of Hamilton. I'm in no position to perform. But your audience is there seeing Hamilton for the first time. And my mom tells me, anyone watching you on TV could very well be seeing you for the very first time. And so uh, just making sure I'm doing all those things to make sure I'm good so that I can get out there and do what I got to do. I'm glad this has emerged as a theme of the year because it's a big lesson that I see being with me for a very long time. Mm. Does it show up in a certain physicality, even in your posture, but certainly a sense of... of ease or some different physical sensations to me barbara a suit feels like a superhero's outfit Mm. and when i've taken care of all these things that we're talking about right now and i get in that suit and i got my hair cut and i'm camera ready whatever that looks like for me uh i dance out there to set i could not be more excited right i do cbs news's money watch show every friday usually in studio and I'm like, I'm like bouncing onto the set to see my friends who are the anchors, check in with the team that does the audio and the camera people on the on the floor. You know, you just you feel so good. And I'm I have no doubt my physicality is different 
then at times if I'm, you know, you have a different physicality if you're camera ready versus if you're at home on the couch in sweatpants. And there's always a time to be at home on the couch in sweatpants and recharge. But for me, I feel I'm an entirely different person and they're both authentically me. Um, I just know which version of myself I aspire to be more often. And it's that one. Mm. Katie, I could talk to you all day. We, we, you know, this is so funny because when you <laughs> talk, they frequently feel like, oh man, we could do this for hours. We have like so much to talk about. For hours. So we promised me we'll do a part two. I would love to, if you'd had me. Yeah, of course. Although this one feels weird because you're generously asking me questions. I don't feel like I get to ask you questions as part of this process. We could do that over coffee for sure. Well, you can ask me a question. What do you want to know? What has most surprised you in the process of doing this podcast in this for form of storytelling? Any learned lesson that you think, man, I was not expecting to take this away or see that as a through line with so many people I've interviewed. Mm, I love this. I have to ponder a little bit. One was how quickly I remembered how much I love this because I did college radio and I used to interview, you know, mostly musicians, but how much I realized how much I loved the microphone and just being able to have conversations with people. And it's a version of what I did for decades as a casting director, because in the unscripted space, you're constantly interviewing people to draw them out. So I was like, wow, this is like a really fun platform for this. And then the other, not that I'm surprised, but was, I still had to note it was my own learning curve and the way I can go back and look at how much note over time, feeling more com confident, more comfortable, less distracted by things, just more easygoing. It's just like, this is great. I love it. And then um, the thing that everyone learns, I think when you start a podcast, because there's no barrier to entry, but if you really want to do it, I mean, it, there, it's, there's a whole, you know, the back end world was eye opening. Oh, I bet. The things you learn, you're forced to learn so quickly. Right. Well, congratulations on this. Oh, thank you. And I'm very grateful. I really am. Uh, and thankful that you'd have me to have this conversation. That's awesome. The other thing I discovered, it is about the work. I was going to say there aren't any shortcuts and that the work is the thing. The, 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 the right work is the thing. Yes. The work is the thing. I say the obstacle is the way and the only way is through. And I think that's like imperfectly embodied. like the work is the thing. Oh, yes, exactly. You got to love it because it's not a, it's not about the top of Mount Everest. And if you don't love the work, you won't be getting to the top of Mount Everest. Oh, but you got to love the climb too. If you don't learn to love the climb the journey and to stop as you're on your way up to Everest and not forget to like turn around and look down and be like, Oh, look how far I came, which I'm still learning to get better at just to be like, Oh, wow. I started all the way down there. That's pretty cool. But learning to love the climb, I think is what you said early in the beginning of the podcast was related to the daily disciplines. Yep. And when you start tapping into that and really doing the work, then you're on your way. Absolutely. Oh, you're such a love. Thank you. Well, so you're coming back for part two. Be amazing. Thank you. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're prepping a big pitch, I would love to help you. Please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com, and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.